0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: In the previous programs, I've been presenting a study on the healing of the man who was born blind. Today's program is a continuation of the previous ones. At this time in the study, the man is in the temple. He is before the Pharisees. And what would probably have been an opportunity to be welcomed into the nation of Israel as a new person, as a person who has been declared to be righteous by God himself because of the miracle that has been performed, healing him who was born blind, now he can see, a divine miracle has definitely occurred, instead of that, what he has is what is becoming a trial. It is as if he is now being put on trial now because of what has happened to him, because of the miracle that has been performed, he can now see. Beginning in John chapter 9, verse 24, it says, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him again, what did he do to you? And then they went on from there. Now, before I proceed into verse 26, I'd like to mention the first thing that he says in verse 25, where he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. There is great significance in his statement. They told him, they just told him that this man is a sinner. And he says, well, I don't know. Why would he say that? Why would he express his doubt in what they say? The reason why he would express doubt in what they say about Jesus is because what they said about his blindness is different from what they are saying now. They are not being honest with him. They told him his whole life, according to their beliefs, that there was no way he could possibly be healed of his blindness unless the Messiah himself comes and heals him of his blindness. It would require a manifestation of the divine to set him free from what they declared to be a divine judgment. They told him that for his whole life, and now they are telling him something different. They are not being honest with him. And so they are the ones who have created this opportunity for him to express doubt. And you can hear their frustration build because he lets them know that he's not so sure that they are being honest with him. He's not so sure that he's going to listen to them anymore. He's not so sure that they really know what they're talking about, that they really know what they're doing. That is what is expressed in their reaction when they said to him again in verse 26, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? What you hear is the desperation of a religious leader who is confronted by a regular person who is not a religious leader. They are confronted by him openly, publicly, who has given them clear evidence that they're being dishonest. And what you hear is them crying out, trying to assert some credibility, trying to save themselves, save their beliefs, The Lord Jesus has performed this miracle. He has put this man in front of them. And this man, through the miracle and through the work of God that has been performed within and through him, he is repelling them. This man who was blind is repelling them. Just as the Jebusites claimed that the blind would repel David when he went to the gate of the Essenes, the same gate that I believe the Lord Jesus was closest to when he healed this man of his blindness. And the Jebusites said that the blind and the lame would repel King David. So also this blind man is going to repel the religious leaders by showing that they are dishonest, that they are not telling the truth. I think that they can smell this. They can hear this. They can see this. And so they responded with the enthusiasm that they responded with by asking him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So now they have expressed their weakness. They have expressed their lack of credibility. They have expressed their lack of authority. This gives him what he needs. This is what gives the man his confidence, what gives him the ability to live in his conviction, because he can see with his own eyes as well as hear with his own ears that these men who were esteemed to be something are nothing. They may have this great temple. They may have all these people who look up to them. They may be respected in the community. They may be the ones who have the authority, but they're liars. And that matters. That does matter. They are not telling the truth. They have not been teaching the truth. And that matters. It does matter. It makes a difference, especially in this case. So he sees this. And when he sees this, he speaks with truth. He speaks with conviction. He answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. It's a way of saying, I'm not going to tell you about Jesus anymore. Effectively, you can just go to hell. I told you, you didn't listen. He follows up and asks, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Hear that, hear him say that. Hear him ask them, do you really want to become his disciples? You don't. He knows that they don't. He knows that they don't want to even consider it, which is why he is saying, for what purpose would I tell you about him? For what purpose, for what reason should I answer your question? You don't want to become his disciples, and so why do you want to know about him? Why do you want to hear about this testimony anymore? You're the ones who are a bunch of liars. You have testified of that By what you have said to me directly my whole life and what you're saying right now, you are the ones who are dishonest. You're the ones who are not only dishonest about what you have to say, but you don't want to hear what somebody else has to say, especially if it's the truth that has been clearly exposed to you right now. Do you also want to become his disciples? If they don't, then why ask? Why tell? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Now, why would they say that? Why would they say that he is Jesus' disciple? He just met him today, for all we know. He hasn't said anything about Jesus before, for all we know. We have no evidence for that. We have nothing to go on to support that. They just simply put this label on him. They just simply declare that he is the disciple of Jesus when he didn't even ask to be healed, as far as we can tell. Now, of course, he's definitely going to become the disciple of Jesus in comparison with being their disciples. This is quite obvious, and I think that they see it, and they are expressing what they see is right in front of them, that, of course, he is the disciple of Jesus because he is not the disciple of them. He's believing Jesus and not believing them, even though they keep telling lies, and he's seeing their lies. He is understanding that they are the ones who are dishonest. In verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Oh, this is perfect. And he takes advantage of it. In verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. In John chapter 7, verse 26, this is just two chapters prior, it's during the festival, just a few days ago, it says, beginning in John chapter 7, verse 26, but look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him, people talking about Jesus speaking in the temple, Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself. But he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Some of the religious leaders taught that no one would know where the Messiah came from, but not all of them taught that because there were plenty of religious leaders who knew the prophecies concerning where the Messiah would come from and who he would be. There were others who believed that. Not all of them believed that. But when the man hears them say that we do not know where he is from, he could say, well, now this is quite interesting because there are some of you maybe not all of you, but there are some of you who believe that that is a qualification of the Messiah. Some of you believe that. That's another one of your messianic beliefs that you have taught, that you have promoted. Are you lying to me again? Are you being dishonest with me again about your beliefs? That's what he says when he says, Now, this is a marvelous thing. Again, in John chapter nine, verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes, fulfills two descriptions of the Messiah, according to some of their beliefs that the Messiah would open his eyes, that no one would know where he was from. In verse 31, he goes on and he says, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He testifies of what he knows, of what he believes, of what he understands, that this has never happened before in the history that they have access to. No one has ever been healed of their blindness who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Because if it was a divine judgment, or if it was a divine experience, or if it was a divine anything, or even if the divine was not involved in him being blind at all, it would take the divine in order to accomplish this creative work of opening the eyes of someone who has never been able to see. In verse 34, they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us? He was? How can they say that? Because they believe that he may have kicked his mother out of animosity or anger or frustration or something? That's why they say he was completely born in sins, but he stands there as a living testimony of the living God who has testified on his behalf that he is righteous. So whether he was born in sins or not is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with what is going on right now. Is he teaching them? He is teaching them. How? just by testifying of the truth, by confronting them with what they taught. Yes, there is a teaching going on. And they cast him out. That is their conclusion. That is how they deal with the situation. They just simply throw him out. He didn't make it one day in Israel after he was healed of his blindness. Didn't make it one day. Didn't make it very far at all. He made one trip from the region of the Pool of Siloam up to the temple. He was rejected his whole life. He had this one brief opportunity to be accepted and he was rejected. So he leaves the temple, being rejected by the people officially. Beyond the blindness that he had since he was born, he was rejected before. He's rejected now. What is he going to do? Will he return to begging? Will he learn a trade? Will he leave the country and go live somewhere else and start a new life somewhere else? We don't know what happened to the man who was born blind. But what we do have is his testimony concerning the miracle that was performed. We have his testimony, the man who was blind and now he can see. In verse 35, this is John chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Can you hear him ask that? Who is he? Is he the one that the Pharisees told me about? Obviously not. Who is he that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. That's all he needed. Just tell me who he is. Who is he? And I will believe in him. Jesus was standing right in front of him, and all he said was, I'm right here. I'm right here, and I'm talking with you. I'm the one who healed you. I'm the one who's talking with you. You have been rejected your whole life. Everyone in your life has told you that you are unworthy, that you are evil, that you were born in sins, that you're always going to be horrible. Your only hope is the Messiah himself. You've been told that your whole life. I healed you of your blindness in order to vindicate you, in order to show that it had nothing to do with that at all. It had nothing to do with your sins. It had to do with an opportunity for God to do his works within and through you so that his works could be manifested within and through you. You went to the people, a living testimony of this truth, that you are not a person who is to be rejected just because they say so. You went to them and they rejected you even more. Where was he at this time? Where was he sitting? Where was he standing? What was he thinking about? Where would he now live? What would he now do for a living? The Lord Jesus found him alone. I would say that he was very much alone. After being rejected by the religious leaders, what would happen to the other people? They would scatter. They would leave him. They wouldn't have anything to do with him because he was kicked out of the synagogue. They might be kicked out of the synagogue, too. Word could get around. And so everyone leaves him alone. Jesus finds him, speaks to him. I am talking with you. I am talking with you. After all that you've been through, here I am. I am here to welcome you, to accept you, and to be a part of your life, regardless of what anybody else thinks, regardless of what anybody else is doing, how anybody treats you, how anybody sees you. I am here talking with you. That's what the Lord Jesus had to say to the man who he had just healed previously. He came back to him to speak with him about what happened, to speak with him about the events, about the things that he saw, the things that he heard. And I'm confident that this conversation was a wonderful opportunity to illuminate things so that the man who was blind could not only see with his own eyes, but could now see with his spirit He could see with his spirit, with his heart, with his very being, things that very few people would ever have the opportunity to encounter. What the man would see from that day forward would be things that very few people, I believe, would ever encounter. In verse 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him, these would be people who would probably be watching to see who else would associate with him, heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. The complete opposite of what they believed. They believed that if a person was blind, they had sin. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. The complete opposite of what they were teaching about blindness. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Their sin remains because they are accountable, because they do see, they do recognize, they do understand, They are witnesses. They are right there in front of the Lord Jesus Himself. They have seen all that has unfolded. They have no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. They are responsible for what they believe. They are responsible before God concerning what they have witnessed, and He will hold them accountable concerning that. They will have to rely on His grace and mercy if they are willing to do that, or they will have no place in his kingdom, in his work, or in his life. Now, you might be able to relate to some of the things that I have communicated in this series. It's possible that you have experienced a tremendous amount of rejection in your life. Some of it might have been legitimate. A lot of it may have been illegitimate. Was this man a sinner? Of course he was a sinner. He was not righteous in the sense that he had never sinned. He certainly sinned. Was he born in sin? He was born in sin just like anybody else is born in sin, that we are born into this world spiritually dead. We are sinners. We are guilty. We are accountable for our sin. This is why the Lord Jesus came to forgive the sins of the world, to institute the new covenant So we are all truly guilty anyway, whether a person or a group of people declare that to us and we spend our whole lives living that way or not, it doesn't matter. What I would like you to consider, though, is that regardless of who you once were, regardless of how other people saw you back when, regardless of any of that, when you are made into a new creation... Through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, through the resurrection that occurs, the Lord Jesus forgives you of all of your sins. He has already forgiven the sin of the entire world so that he can offer to us the free gift of his spirit, of his life that would resurrect us from the dead. If we are just willing to acknowledge our condition and acknowledge His provision, and receive His grace and His mercy. We can also be the recipients of the free gift that He is offering, the gift of His life that will remain within us eternally, that will never leave, because there is no sin left unforgiven that would ever cause His Spirit to depart from within us ever again. That is the point of salvation, That is the point of regeneration, the point of being made into a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you have been made into a new creation, into a new person, the Lord Jesus sees you as a new person. Do not let other people get in your way, get between you and your God because of what they believe, because of what they think, because of how they feel because of what they see never let anyone get between you and the creative miraculous work of god in your life this man didn't the lord performed a miracle for him and when this man went before the religious leaders he stood his ground he recognized that something was new something was different He recognized what the Lord did with him, made him, in effect, into a new person, a new creation, not as he does with us through salvation, but he made him into a new person by giving him his eyes, by giving him the ability to see. So what did he do? He lived his life. We don't know what happened to him after this, but I believe we can say with great confidence that he did live his life that this conversation that he had with the Lord Jesus established him in his new faith, established him in such a way that he would be able to proceed regardless of what these other people thought, regardless of what these other people believed. They may remember back when back when he was blind, and they might look at him and say that he can only see because perhaps it was the work of a demon, or maybe it was because God did that, but they may not really be willing to confess that that was the case because there could be a conversation about Jesus being the Messiah. But either way, either way, they did put him out of the synagogue. They cast him out. They rejected him. That's how they dealt with the scenario. That's how they dealt with the circumstances at hand. There are many people who knew you back when, knew you when you were an unbeliever. You may have made some poor decisions while you were a believer. Regardless of when these things took place, when you were in some position where someone could acknowledge or recognize that you were sinful, or you didn't meet their standards, whatever they may be, regardless of what they think of you, do not ever let them get in your way. Live your life, always press forward, never give up, always turn to the living God. He is the one who will be there with you when no one else will be there. When everyone else throws you out, casts you aside, or considers you to be unclean, He will always come to you. He will always show Himself to you, and He will always give you a new direction In life, where you will be able to see through His eyes, not just your own.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. to